Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Bill Press Pod. You know, a record number of staffers have been fired from the Trump White House, many of them with high-profile names like Michael Flynn, Steve Bannon, Reince Priebus, Sean Spicer, Jeff Sessions, John Kelly, Hope Hicks, but none of them better known than Anthony Scaramucci, or the Mooch, fired after only 11 colorful days as White House communications director. Scaramucci may have made a lot of news in the White House, but he's making a hell of a lot more news now that he's out of the White House. The latest? After first writing a book praising him, he's now broken with Donald Trump and, in fact, is organizing a campaign to get some leading Republican to challenge Trump in the 2020 Republican primary. What happened? What drove Trump's best friend to become his arch enemy? Let's find out. Anthony, it's good to join, good to join you. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Let me ask you first, uh, Donald Trump just left the uh, G7 summit uh, in the south of France. I'm sure you watched it from afar like we all did. Uh, how do you think he did on the world stage? Well, I mean, listen, I mean, it was obviously very embarrassing. It's painful to say that as a fellow American. I'm also traveling overseas. So, you know, one of the things you hate doing is commenting about the American president overseas. But, you know, since you guys are domestic guys, I'll tell you that he looked out of it. Uh, the press conference was a disaster. He was basically saying that Melania had met Chairman Kim. Stephanie Winston, his press secretary and comms director, had to walk it back. Um, he's dissembling. He clearly lied this morning. He was probably in a full-blown panic over the stock market cratering. Uh, the overnight market was down a lot, three, 400 points. He gets to the podium during the Egyptian thing and lies blatantly and says that something happened uh, with the Chinese, which, in fact, did not happen. And then I'll just point out three other quick things. Number one, they bring the Iranian foreign minister there. They don't tell him. Completely embarrass him on that. Yep. That's our longest standing ally. Number two, they more or less leave him out of all of the major conversations. And then he decides to leave himself out of the climate change one. So America first for President Donald Trump is America alone. And so, you know, listen, this is not personal for me. I like the president. I obviously put my own personal money into his campaign. I supported him. Uh, but people have asked me, when would the red line be? And we've crossed now into that red line territory. So I, I wrote an op-ed uh, last week describing the things that I broke from him on. And then once he went full-blown racist tropes, it was like, okay, this guy's going to set off a metastatic cancer inside the society. So so we're, we're in a very dangerous territory. I'm shocked, personally, that elected leadership in the United States is not doing anything. And if your listeners care about the country, call your elected leaders and say, excuse me, what are you doing exactly about this? Are we going to remove them from office? Are we going to at least get him a psychiatric evaluation at Walter Reed Hospital, something. 
I mean, it is the United States, and this is the age of full-blown media. He is literally having a nervous breakdown on the world stage. Why do you think it is that so many of these Republicans in the Senate, particularly, and in the House, uh, are afraid to take on Donald Trump? I mean, it's almost like, is, do you think it's sort of like a cult relationship that, that they've got with him? Well, uh, you know, listen, I mean, you know, when you when you say it's a cult relationship, what happens is the people that are in the cult relationship get very offended. So so I've been trying not to say that, frankly. But I mean, the, the truth of the matter is he is a full on bully and he's a full on demagogue. And so when you're a full on demagogue, what ends up happening is you can't accept one syllable or one paragraph of disagreement. So. If I agree at nine out of 12 things that I wrote in my op-ed, he's going to light me up on his Twitter feed. Lighting me up isn't enough. He's going to then viciously attack my wife, who has nothing to do with the political process and is literally a suburban housewife at home taking care of two young children. So, I mean, this is the, a despicable train wreck of a human being. So when, when uh, Ted Cruz called him a sniveling coward, uh, what I'm upset about is I didn't fully see it from Ted Cruz's vantage point uh, until he did it to my wife, you know, and and that's something I have to hold myself accountable for. Um, I should have been speaking out about this earlier, uh, but you know, listen, I am here now, and now we have to figure out a way of creating an off ramp for my fellow, you know, 2016 Trump supporters. We've got to see if we can convince this, these people how blatantly un-American Donald Trump is. I mean, there's nothing more un-American than bullying. And this guy is a bully, and he's got those people uh, scared out of their minds related to him. He's also got them convinced that he won some sort of landslide because he's lying about the support of the Republican Party. His, his support is high. It's down to 78 percent. It's, it's continuing to shrink. His overall approval rating is 36 percent. And so at some point, because politicians are more self-interested than they are caring about people or serving people, they'll figure out that they're vulnerable and then they'll turn on them. But I would love to see one or two of them have the confidence to turn on them now. You'll withstand his Twitter onslaught. It's not even that big of a deal. I want to ask you, I want to get to some of these people that you're talking to and you might think might take them on. But uh, back for just a second to your own situation, was there for you some because you know look i read your first book or the, the, your last book where you still say some nice things about donald trump uh and i've also read your recent op-ed and and seen you on on cnn clearly you've broken with donald trump now was there a tipping point for you where it just said all right this is it i can't i can't be with this guy any longer well well, well as i well first of all the book you know the president didn't like the book because if you read through the book you'll find out it was a very balanced assessment of him yeah where I did where I did praise him was that he was advocating for blue collar workers. And I said that those people, unfortunately, have had no advocacy in Washington. Establishment politicians on the left and right have not advocated for them in over three decades. And so for that, he deserved credit and he still deserves credit. I'm not I'm not, you know, a Trump uh, derangement syndrome person. I'm trying to be as balanced as possible. But what I said in the op ed is I broke from him on the child separation issue. I broke from him on the denunciation of our intelligence agencies, why he was praising Vladimir Putin. 
I wrote an op-ed. You can find it on thehill.com about the press. I said, Mr. President, the press is not the enemy of the people. And I explained why the press itself is not the enemy of the people. And I think the last straw for me, the tipping point, was the racist stuff. I mean, it's just full-on racism and using a racist trope to tell people to go back to the country that they came from. In the meantime, three of those people were born in the United States. One is a naturalized citizen, and all four are democratically elected congresswomen of the United States. So, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. And they said that stuff to my grandmother 100 years ago. So, so for me, the combination of that plus the fact that he started to attack me on Twitter, which is a sign that he's a full-blown demagogue. It's almost as if Roy Cohen had a baby with Joe McCarthy and they made Donald Trump together uh, and he's out there running the country into the ground. So for me, that's the combination of things. But it's not like I woke up one morning and a rock hit me in the head and I changed. I just said, hey, there's just too many things he's doing now. It's impossible to support him. And I don't know about you guys. I mean, he's, you know, most of my liberal friends say that he's been nuts the whole time. But I think he's gotten progressively and more steeply sloping downward into nuttier and nuttier stuff over the last two or three weeks. Are you sorry you went to work for him? Absolutely not. No, I'm not sorry at all. I mean, I, I, uh, he was, he's the American president. He asked me to do a job. As I pointed out, unfortunately, he was really just looking for me to be a hatchet man. But uh, I'm happy to have served in the White House and served in the government. I mean, I've lived this very, very improbable life where I grew up in a blue-collar neighborhood with parents that didn't go to college. I got myself into two reasonably good schools, and then I went on and built some successful businesses. And so whether it was one day, one hour, 11 days, I, I, I still consider it an honor to serve inside the White House in the United States government. It's just unfortunate that uh, you know this guy's like a full-blown narcissist, won't take anybody's counsel, uh, doesn't like anybody getting attention other than himself. And he's now descending the world into his own personal Hades. So, so, you know, we have to do our best to try to stop that. When you were working with him in the White House, did you ever tell him, hey, that's wrong, you're wrong, or that's a bad idea? Yeah, yeah no question. No question. And, and by the way, by the way— Who does, you know, that, to, were, who does that today? That, well, that was the point I made to Anderson Cooper a week ago. Uh, John Kelly— who obviously fired me, so we started off a rough relationship, but we have a very good one now. Uh, when when he when he left the White House and he served for White House chief of staff for about eighteen months, I mean the thing started really coming off the rails. I think John, being a four star general, and uh, having uh, you know a presence about him and a leadership presence about him, was able to say no to the president or to help the president co opt some of the worst tendencies of his behavior. There is nobody there now doing that. Nobody. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Not that I see nobody. it anyway. So no. on CNN and in the Washington Post, you have talked about um, talking to people about a primary challenge to uh, Donald Trump. What are you you're talking about? But what are you doing about it? Are you raising money? Are you talking well, to people? Well, Do you have an organization? I, 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 what are you doing? Yeah, well, well, you know, listen, uh, you know, I, I made that presentation a week ago. I'm in the process right now of uh, organizing a PAC. Unfortunately, the paperwork for that takes a little bit. 
um, by, uh, I would assume, uh, the Tuesday or Wednesday after Labor Day, I'll have the pack formed and named. I'm going out to a large group of people and getting some signatures of American Republican CEOs that don't want anything to do with Donald J. Trump that really see the party has moved into a personality cult as opposed to the party of Abraham Lincoln and Dwight Eisenhower and Ronald Reagan. And so there's a very large group of people that would like to find a safe haven in another Republican entity. And so I'm in the process of putting that together. And I think that there will be a very large group of those people because, you know, being affiliated and associated with Donald Trump, very bad for business. You know, Mm. 62% of the American is guts, at least 80% of the world. And so when you just do the math, uh, being in the tank or supporting him publicly, just not good for business. And so there's a lot of Republicans that would like to move away from him, but they would still like to stay in the Republican Party if possible. Right. So, you know, the old saying, you can't beat somebody with nobody. You need a candidate. Who's your candidate? Well, you know, what I'm hoping is we'll have two or three more people enter the race. Bill Weld and Joe Walsh are in the race now. I've met Bill a few times. I've never met Joe. And Bill's a, Bill's a great guy. Um, I'm hoping that we can get one or two of the potential 2024 candidates. I think the conventional wisdom was the economy's strong. He's got a high approval rating with the Republicans. Um, you know, no way to challenge him. I think if you don't challenge him, I don't see how you have standing in 2024. I don't see how you can get to the podium in 2024 and say, hey, I'm running for president, but I walked by and whistled past the Trump graveyard over the last four years. Or what did I do in 2020 to try to stop this monster? And so I I think that these people hopefully uh, will come to their senses and and challenge them. You know, but I do think you need an experienced politician to do that. I I think that the, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but you got to have somebody with some experience to run this process. Right. Are you talking directly to Jeff Flake through me? Uh, What do you mean? Uh, Is he would he be someone that you would see that should step up? I have not spoken to Jeff. I don't know where Jeff's head heads at on this, but, you know, Jeff. You know, again, I don't know him, but he probably thought a month, two or three ago that this wouldn't be a possibility. I think I think that would certainly be a possibility at this point. Somebody like Jeff Flake. I mean, he's he's a very talented guy and he's been outspoken about how nutty the president is. And now as the president's gotten nuttier and nuttier, he would be an acceptable replacement. Uh, I'm sure you know, I don't know whether you know George Conway. You know who he is. Yeah, very well. No, George and I are close. Good. Uh, George said this morning, a tweeted out this morning, that if Justin Amash, the Republican congressman from Michigan, were to step forward, Conway would be in his camp in a moment. Would you? Yeah. Well, I don't know, Justin, but, but what I've said to everybody generically, yes. I think we've got to get at least three or four people in there. If you go back to the 1968 situation, Lyndon Johnson, whatever you thought of him, was tearing up the fabric of America, a result of which, uh, you know, the hit people in his party thought we needed a re-engineered leadership change. 
And so once you got three or four people in there litigating over how badly he was doing, his poll numbers continued to drop. And then by March of 1968, he came out. Now, uh, Bill Crystal pointed out yesterday that Lyndon Johnson's uh, poll numbers, his approval rating, was actually higher than Donald J. Trump's approval rating on August 25th. On August 25th, 1967, Lyndon Johnson had a higher approval rating than Donald J. Trump does right now. Hmm. So so to me, if you can get three or four players in there, um, I think that would be a great thing for the country that would knock uh, the president's approval ratings into the low 20s, high, I'm sorry, the, high, the low 30s, high 20s, and then I think we've got a ball game. So, so yes, I would I would certainly welcome him into the race, and I would do whatever I could to help fortify the advocacy for him and others, and so that there could be an open debate about where to go. We're talking here on the Bill Press podcast today with Anthony Scaramucci joining us from Zurich. It's the Bill Press Pod, and we're talking with former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci. Brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, those good men and women of the UFCW under President Mark Perrone. They're the uh, great people at our nation's big retail grocery stores who stock the shelves, who check us out, who help us find what we're looking for, uh, serving American families all across the nation every day. We salute them for their good work and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As you write your life story, You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. Dot georgetown.edu slash podcast. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Anthony, good to be back with you. Anthony Scaramucci, our guest here on the Bill Press Podcast today. We were talking about George Conway just before the break. Uh, the other thing that you, you mentioned, you're close to George. The other thing that George has been very open about, in, including another tweet this morning, is that he believes people should raise serious questions about the mental instability of of the president and maybe even invoke the 25th Amendment. Do you agree with him on that? uh, A thousand percent. It's like I don't understand how elected public servants 
of the longest standing Republican democracy in existing world history. A 243-year-old Republican democracy could have this sort of full-blown insanity on display and not act. It has to really make you worry about the state of the country and the overall cowardice of leadership, because what is the calculation that they're making now? He said he was the chosen one. He said he was the king of the Jews. He, 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 he compared President Xi and Jerome Powell and said, which one is a bigger enemy to the United States? 60 hours later, he's praising President Xi for being this incredible leader. He, he's all over the map, acting irrational and unstable. And, and I might also point out that, you know, like most bullies, once he got punched back a few times, and I've been taking them to task for the last two weeks since he attacked my wife, which I find to be a literal disgrace, as somebody that has that standing as the president. And as I said to Chuck Todd the other day, he may not have early stage dementia. I don't know if he does or he doesn't, but he definitely has early stage, if not full-blown fascism. You don't attack your private citizens using the presidential Twitter feed. Okay, I find that despicable and absolutely reprehensible. We still live in a free country. There may be tyranny in other parts of the world, but this guy should not be using his presidential Twitter feed in, in a hate crime sort of a way. So, so to me, that's another sign of his combination of insecurity, instability, and, you know, and again, even if it's borderline insanity, that should be enough for office removal. He's he's got the nuclear codes. I mean, what are we what are we doing here, guys? Just look at it prima facie, and let's get going on this thing. You mentioned a couple of times uh, that he's taken you on in his Twitter feed, which of course he has, calling you mm-hmm. unstable, calling you a right. nut job. I've got that right. one here, right right in front of me. Yeah. Um, are you afraid of take, by taking on Donald Trump of you know his coming after you? What what is he going to do to me exactly? Like, is he going to persecute me and uh, use the full blown powers of the United States presidency to persecute a private citizen? If he if he does that, then you know the kind of country you're in now. That's full blown fascism, uh, and that is a full blown dismantling of the freedom based system in the society that our nation's military has fought for for almost 250 years. So. So one number one, you can probably tell from my personality, the way I'm going after him, that I don't live my life with any fear. But number two, if I have a need to be, quote unquote, fearful, then I would say the same thing to you. You have a need to be fearful, and so does your listeners, because we're turning this country into something that we didn't grow up in. So I don't know. We'll, we'll know if I have something to be fearful of or not. But the point I'm making is I actually don't care. We got to get this guy out of office for the sake of our country and for the sake of our families and the sake of our children and grandchildren. Now, I follow this pretty closely, this whole political thing. And I think in 2018, the only open critic, and he wasn't that critical, of Donald Trump to be elected was Mitt Romney. Um, Why do you think it'll be any easier in 2020 for a Donald Trump critic to get elected? Or do you? Well, when you say get elected, what do you mean? Mitt Romney uh, got elected. He got to elected the to the Senate. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's the point that you're making that 
in 2016, is- Mitt Romney denounced them and, he, and Trump still got elected. Is that what you're saying? No, my question is, in 2018, of all the Republicans, the only one really to stand up against uh, and, and be critical of Donald Trump and win an election, I believe, was Mitt Romney. I can't think of any other. Do you think critic of Donald Trump, a critic of Donald Trump, can be any more successful in 2020? Well, I, I, I do, because this is in a continuing deceleration. You know, in, 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 in that period, you have to remember, he has an aging demographic, uh, President Trump. Right. You know, and, and people are getting sick and tired of his nonsense. I mean, even people that, quote unquote, like and support him are full blown sick and tired of his nonsense. So so and, and, and you're, you're mentioning 2018. He got destroyed in 2018. I mean, he, he gained a few seats in the Senate, but he got completely wiped out in the House. And, and by the way, a lot of state governorships turned. Uh, you know, the Republicans got lucky in uh, in the state of Florida, in the state of Ohio. But. You know, they lost gubernatorial seats. They lost uh, they lost the House, turned it back to Nancy Pelosi. And uh, and, you know, that was literally one of the biggest midterm drubbings in uh, modern day history. So, you know, he's on course to get annihilated in 2020, because, as you know, you can't beat somebody with nobody. But you also can't win by subtracting people from your base, you know, and, and you know politics as well as anybody. You need to add people, not take people away. And he's been doing a good job of taking those people away. Uh, as a Republican, what is your take on the two leading Republicans in the Congress, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy? Well, you know, look, I like both Mitch and Kevin. I have donated to both of their campaigns. I'm a lifelong Republican. And, uh, you know, I, I get the problem that they're in because self-preservation is probably a priori to a politician. But, you know, you have to think like a statesman here. And uh, I think one of the issues they're both having right now, particularly Mitch in Kentucky, he's afraid to go after Trump because it could potentially hurt his reelection bid. But I think if you're really just going to stop and think about it as a statesman, uh, he's got to do something, and I hope he does. What is your advice today to uh, anybody who might be considering going to work for Donald Trump? Well, I mean, here, here's what I would say. If you want to be in an environment where you're going to get ridiculed and you want to be in an environment where he's not going to listen to you or take your counsel, and you want to be in an environment where there's only one person on the stage, there are no co-stars, and there's only one person allowed to take any credit for anything, but will dish out and point his finger and blame you for stuff like he's doing with your own pal, then go to work for him. But uh, beware, huh? Well, I mean, come on, you know the answer. I posted yeah. I posted a couple of weeks ago a picture of a conveyor belt, people coming in, shaking mm-hmm. Trump's hand, and then getting stabbed in the back very, very right. shortly thereafter. He's done it to 70 or 80 people. So, you know, you would be touching a hot stove. As you mentioned earlier, and uh, and I know you've had um, a very interesting career, a lot of ups and downs, and uh, so I just want to ask you, what's next for Anthony Scaramucci? Well, look, I'm back at Skybridge. I'm growing my firm, uh, and uh, we're doing quite well. I mean, we're well positioned in the current market mania, and uh, you know, for me, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna grow my firm and get the firm's assets to, uh, in my opinion, I think we can double the firm's assets over the next five years. 
And, you know, at that point, uh, I'll take a look at the landscape and see if there's something else for me to do career wise. But right now I'm very much so enjoying my uh, my business life. Uh, but I'm a concerned citizen and I'm, I'm going to speak out about this because, you know, not a lot of people can take this guy on. They don't understand the way to get in there and take this guy on. And I'm, I'm a New Yorker. I'm comfortable going after this guy, frankly, the way he's gone after me and others. So, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on this thing and hopefully we can convince enough people uh, to make sure that we don't end up in a God awful situation where he's alone in the white house for another four years seeking no one's counsel, um, but his own. Could you ever support a Democrat against Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. We'll have to see what happens over the next month. I don't like answering hypotheticals. Tell me who the Democrat is and tell me who the Republican nominee is, and then we'll we'll have that conversation. Uh, that's a good uh, invitation to talk again sometime soon. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Anthony Scaramucci, thanks so much for joining okay, us today. Guys. And I know you're in it to win it. You're not going to slow down. And oh, no, no, through. no. I'm, 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 a, I'm a passionate guy, and I'm very well organized. Uh, watch how this thing unfolds over the next uh, two to six weeks. And that's it for today's podcast. Thanks so much to Anthony Scaramucci, and thank you all for listening. Remember, we depend entirely on your support, so please Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or tune in. Subscribe to the Bill Press Pod and give us a great big five-star rating. That's the best way you can help us grow and grow the podcast every day. Again, thanks so much for listening. Stay strong, and we'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.